0: Our series continues, First Light, and it's not just a generic series about light and how it's a great image for for our God, but there's actually a thrust to this theme, and that it, it is this, it's that God's light moves toward darkness so that light may sink in and flow out toward others. You see that trajectory, you see that thrust, you see, this isn't a a series about God, take us out of the pain, take us out of the struggle, beam us up, as it were, but it's His light breaking a dark horizon, moving in and moving through you and I. This morning we continue that. We'll be looking at uh, Isaiah chapter 60. You're welcome to turn there as we get ready uh, for, for week two. One of uh, Stephen Covey's habits, I don't know if you've read maybe the seven habits of highly effective people, is is that an effective person begins with the end in mind. There's a book that was recently published a few years ago, um, and it's a meditation on Ecclesiastes, and it says, living life backwards. What are these ancient principles that these people are drawing upon? You know this, it's, it's pretty intuitive. When you begin with the end, when you begin with what it will be, what it should be, it guides the here and now. It controls even decisions made now. You could say it's wisdom borrowed from the future to walk into today. Well, this morning, God is speaking through his prophet Isaiah, and he's telling his people the end so that they might be strengthened for the now. Let's listen in. Isaiah chapter 60. We'll begin with verse 1. We'll be popping around, and I think I've communicated the right verses, but if not, uh, just hang in there. Verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has Risen upon you, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light and the kings of the brightness to your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughter shall be carried on the hip Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall be thrilled and exult because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. Verse 15. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever. A joy from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations. You shall nurse at the breast of kings. And you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your redeemer the mighty one of Jacob instead of bronze i will bring gold and instead of iron i will bring silver instead of wood bronze instead of stones iron i will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness violence shall be no more shall be heard in your land devastation nor destruction within your borders you shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall be no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. Verse 22. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord, and in its time, I will hasten it. Let's pray. Father, make the light of your Son lovely to our hearts, to our minds, and to our bodies this morning. Israel was, or excuse me, Assyria was making its way to Egypt. It was ready to plunder the known world. It was the powerhouse. It was the United States. Here lies this puny nation state called Israel in its way. Exile. Then the, then the Babylonians come. They're the, they're the next big boys. And the death nail on Israel's hope is laid in with the temple being destroyed. God's people are exiled under the powers of pagan worlds. And they're looking out across their landscape saying, God, look at these terrible people. They they pay you no regard. They have no respect for you. They, they, They are perpetuating a worldview that is dark. Have you seen how they treat their kids? Where are you? Our voice sounds like this. Can you believe that they did that? What was he thinking? God, What? what you should do something about him. You see, Israel had, had, had mistaken its eternal relationship with its covenant king as something to just reduce to a ritualistic relationship. It had made the errant assumption that if I continue to do this, go to church, give good deeds, that my relationship will be unbroken. Jerusalem will never fall. The temple will forever reign. Folks, we make that same unfortunate errant mistake in a small town, you know what this is like. We, we look at other people and, and, and we give out these scarlet letters, right? We, our eyes are so transfixed on the failures of others. Israel's eyes was stuck on the, the pagan religious practices of its foreign lands, paying no regard to home. You see, we're shocked by other sins instead of saddened. It's subtle. The pastors that are most susceptible to moral failure, are you ready? Are the ones that don't think it'll happen to them. We know about this. When, when words move around in our small town quicker than we've ever uttered them, and it gets twisted. And, and instead of people being saddened and saying, Lord, thank you, I, I, it's only your grace alone that I'm not uh, done X, Y, or Z. Instead, we look quickly out to those that are are the quote unquote dark ones and ask God to, to, to intervene. And boy, does he. But he starts with you and me. You see, this is our deadly weakness. This is our deadly weakness. And so this morning, what you and I need you and I need God's light. You need God's light. I need God's light. Not them, you me. You need God's light to shine on you. You need God's light to shine through you. And you need God's light to shine for you. Shine on, shine through, shine for. Verse 1 and 2, we see arise, shine. All I could think about was this nursery rhyme, arise and shine and give God the glory. It it was turned into a terrible joke by a mom who was trying to wake you up, right? It's like, get out of here. But I think that's helpful to get, to get you engaged with what's happening. This is this 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 promise of hope is 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 intended to bring about anticipation, to bring about excitement. You know, it's it's that oven timer as the smell of brownies is wafting through your home, and you're waiting for you. You can hear it going ding, and then all of a sudden you're ready, right? It's it's your mom, your grandmother. Looking out the window because she was told that that your war hero was coming home, and it's that car that that just peaks the surface that's what arise shine means it's it's getting in your best outfit for your wedding day and anticipating that. This is what God is saying to his people arise, shine get get cleaned up I'm coming but it, he you saw just as plain as day, that words like arise and uh, rise upon you, it, it's clear that he, he's presenting a metaphor, the sun, literally the sun, that, that big old star, and he's likening God to the sun. It, it doesn't get complex. In what ways does God share, or rather does sun carry an attribute of, of, of God, the one who made it? And that is that it produces life, right? If, if that star weren't there, we'd freeze to death. If it didn't rise on a you know, normal basis, plants would die, right? Livestock would, would, would die. We <laughs> wouldn't make it. It's the necessity of life. 1 Timothy 6 says that all things, God, God sustains all things. Did you know that you and I literally sit here now being held together by him? Like literally. Like he's outside. We, we borrow our existence from him. And that's a good thing. He's likened to the sun. But what else does light do? It it certainly creates light. I mean, excuse me, life. Light also exposes darkness. Right? What was unclear is terribly clear. People didn't used to travel at night. Why? Because they couldn't see that well. Because you couldn't see danger, whether it's a ditch or a robber. Like, it's very basic that we need light to, to in some ways, just travel safely, to live safely. And this is where this message um, might be one of the most Baptist messages I've ever preached. And I couldn't help but think to ask you this question, has God's light dawned on your heart? Has it dawned? Because, you see, when when it dawns on your heart, what you are denying becomes painfully clear. That Your weakness and your flaw are, are put in front of you in such stark ways. I think about the pharmaceutical companies that are going to produce this wonderful vaccine. And I think like, they don't use these like, really dim lights to create a mood. They could care less about the mood, right? Th- they want the brightest thing to expose anything as they're manufacturing this product, this life-saving product. God's light shining upon your heart exposes this and not in a shameful way in a painful way it may it may bring you to tears, but he doesn't leave you there so my question is I mean, has this happened to you there's a, there's a book in the Bible and this is how you can tell there's Romans chapter one and, and two and three and you know to, to the modern um apart from God ears it we take offense to it. And if you've never, you've not really read that, Romans 1 says, says that we've exchanged, like, relationship with God to, to only ourselves. Like, we've just gone all inward. Romans chapter 3, uh, Paul quotes a passage that says, we don't do anything good. You know, and, and if the light hasn't dawned on your heart, you say, wait a second, I, I've done many good things. What are you talking about? It's very offensive. But to those who have, have had that light dawn and responded to its exposing effects, there's life to be found. So, you need God's light to shine on you. This is His promise to you, that it will shine. Second, you need God's light to shine through you, which is His mission. We see in verse 3 that it goes from God being the source of light to all of a sudden this transference. The nations will come to, not my light, your light, Israel, the kings to the brightness of your rising, Israel. This is miraculous. The the Isaiah has just told for three and a half chapters how terrible Israel was, terrible. Like you're over here pointing your finger at your neighbor. Look at your check your heart, man. And then all of a sudden, this promise of of light to somehow come, come from you. And this is why we know it's not Israel's light. This isn't the light of achievement. This is not the light of achievement. This is the light of vulnerability. It's that candle that was on the Wallace's face, I mean the Goodman's faces. Sorry Wallace, you have a good last name. It was it was this reflective character. I think about when I was a child I had a night bright and you could like see and if you have kids now they're on their screens and it's dark. And you look over at it and you know what they're doing because the screen's like bouncing off their face. It's God's light is reflecting off of Israel. This is his mission. You see, this is where we learn about God's purpose for light. I don't, you, you had this experience, uh, you know, I think of like the, the major seasons of life, uh, you know, engagement or marriage or, or children or uh, perhaps something amazing happened at work. Or uh, your, your, your son or your daughter um, got an excellent grade on an exam and they jump in your car and you're like, man, you're in a good mood. What's going on? Or, or this great thing has happened to you. I can tell. Tell me about it. This is what it looks like. This is the light coming through God, or excuse me, coming through you from God. Matthew 5, Jesus picks this up and he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the Lord. Paul says it again in Ephesians 5. For you were once darkness, but now you are the light of the Lord. Live as children of light. In both of those pictures, it goes on to talk about the reason that you're reflecting God's light is as so if people would come to you. And coming through you, meet the God who made them. The God who loves them. This is not a good analogy, but it's the one that I thought about was that little fluorescent moth trap. That kind of comes in. You don't die when you meet the light. That's the bad part about this analogy. It doesn't really work. You actually come to life when you get close to it. But I was just thinking about, man, every time I open the door, that stupid fly always makes it in to this light. You and I have been set up as these lights. Not because it's our own, but because the light of God through us is convincing other people that something is different. Something is at peace in them. Something is content. His mission was to create a peculiarly attractive people. There's stories you can read about these, the early Christian church and its growth. It, I mean, it, it was terrib- it was terribly persecuted. How was it growing? And it wasn't because people were listening to people preach. It wasn't. It was because people were, were, were living with such honesty. People were living with such integrity. And, and as they did business dealings, they weren't trying to rob you. If they owned a business, they were trying to take care of their employees. It was their character that people, they, it was irresistible. Their ethic brought people in. And this is his call for you. So the question then comes to you and I are, are, are you growing in morality or are you growing in grace? Are you piling bricks up? I do this thing, I do this thing, I do this thing. Or are you a planted tree next to the waters of life, growing from the inside out? Did you know two of the most famous Christians in the world describe this? Martin Luther and John Wesley. They preached for years. And they talk about a time where uh, they realized that everything they were doing was entirely external. That it was only until later that the grace of, the, the, the grace of God's light entered in. And instead of doing these external things, they became more humble, they became more wise, they became less anxious, they became more happy. Christian, are you, are you happier today than you were two years ago? Well, Skylar, I've had a hard year. We all have. And, and by the way, as, as Tim read, uh, happiness doesn't come in the absence of pain, it comes through it. Because it's not about the circumstance, because it is through that that you begin to develop a sense of contentedness. Peace, hope, and love. Finally, light must shine for you. We see toward the end of this passage, the word "redeemer" is presented, and this is a weird word in the Old Testament, because if you remember the story of Ruth and Boaz, Boaz was Ruth's kinsman redeemer. It had to be someone who was related to you by blood. It was so. So Israel's likely hearing this, and they're like, "That's kind of a weird. I, I'll take it, but I don't fully believe it. It sounds like a metaphor." But we know that's not true, right? John chapter 8, Jesus, he has come to Judea, uh, kind of against his own wishes, to what the Jewish people were commem- commemorating. God's leading them by light through the wilderness. We call this the Festival of Tabernacles. And he stands up and he says, What? He says, I am the light of the world. Shock landed. Wait, 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 when you said redeemer, you, you literally meant a man. You, you literally meant a human being. Of course, they didn't believe that right away. You see, you need God's light to shine for you. And this exchange has to happen. That's what this kinsman redeemer does. It, it goes in and you're enslaved because you've gotten a bad deal. And now instead of owning your property, you've had to sell it and work for the person who owns it and hoping that one day he'll, he'll treat you well enough to let you go. The redeemer comes in and says, I'll pay for that. That, that, that expense can come from my account, no matter how much it harms me, and release them from their debt. This is literally what God did in Christ. I am the light of the world. I'm not just a metaphorical figment of light. I, I am literally the light come to shine for you because we've seen how it goes when you're left to try to be attractive on your own. You become some great moral conservatives I want you to be grace-driven, powerhouses of light. I am the light of the world. Isaiah 59, 16 says this. He saw, this is God, he saw there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Okay, this is right in the midst of, of Isaiah just landing judgment on their sin. And God speaks in and he says, then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. It goes on to describe this warrior putting on a helmet and a breastplate and all these weapons of war. This divine warrior, it says, achieved salvation, achieved. And we'll end here. God, folks, it wasn't grace that only brought you in, and you're not left to your good wishes and wills to make it to the end. Christ doesn't just open the doors of heaven. He is heaven. And he doesn't just drape his arm around you and, and say it's going to be okay. He actually ran the entire race for you. For you. Like your darkness for his light. And you see, I, I hope that, that what happens as you see that you need God's light. You need his light to shine on you, to shine through you, to shine through for you, to replace your darkness for his light, that you would find yourself being moved. This, this level of sacrifice is to have one effect. He, he left all glory. He, he, he got rid of it for you. He, all of his beauty was, was disposed so that you might be made that way. Do you see it yet? Do you know that you need his light, not just your neighbors, you. This is the gift of God, this Advent. You need his light to shine on you, to shine through you. And praise God, it's already been shining for you. Lord, we ask that we be faithful to this call, that we would have the lights of heaven shine on our souls, that we would see, not to shame, but to life. The ways that we simply don't want you. Draw us back to yourself. Woo us. The gift of your life is that it's not forceful. It's, it, it, it moves our affections. Much like we'd want any good thing in this world. So God, we ask that you would enable us to want you most. And along the way, along this season, Lord, would you begin to shine. Shine through our vulnerability. Through our weakness. Lord, that we, that we would be so grateful that you would shine through us that we would not even care who got the credit. Lord, we want to be a people about your light, your light, not ours. We thank you now for moving in such a way that you have replaced our darkness for the gift of your light. Thank you. Lead us toward that, we pray in Jesus' name.